0: Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast. This is episode number 45 with your host Kyle Morris and a guest host, Caleb Van Steenwick. How's it going, Caleb?
1: Oh man, it's going great. Uh, great to be here chatting with you uh, to not only just catch up on life, but you know, to dive into God's Word. I mean, two of my favorite things to do.
0: Yeah, so Caleb's been on the podcast multiple times. We have kind of have him pop in. He's been on the podcast with both Dakota and I, all three of us at the same time, and then Uh, We've done some uh, either just with, uh, uh, I don't know if you, have you done one just with Dakota? I don't think I have. I think it's either been
1: all three of us or just you and I. Yeah.
0: I don't think I missed one because I'm usually the one recording and doing all the audio. So (laughs) I don't usually miss them. Uh, But yeah, so uh, Caleb's joining us and and it's always good to kind of change it up a little bit, at least the perspective, uh, reading scripture and kind of dialoguing differently. Dakota and I dialogue all the time. Um, as we go through the podcast and, and in other areas of ministry, as we pastor together at, at Ottawa Bible church. And so, uh, it's always cool to, uh, to mix it up a little bit and, and, uh, get another person's perspective, even though we're reading the same scripture and we believe the same thing and, and all that kind of stuff, it's just good to, to, to mix it up and, and hear from somebody else from time to time. So I'm always happy when you're on, it always gives me fresh perspective and new things to think about. So, uh, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, I'm super, super excited to be here. Uh super good to you know just chat with you as well. I mean, you know, seeing you guys, both you and Pastor Dakota, you mean up out there in, in Kansas. I say out there, I mean me being in Arizona, I'm always like, Oh, you guys are out there. Um no, no we're you know, right it's... in the middle. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm the weird one. You're who's out still there in the yeah. heat. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it's actually been pretty hot here. It's been in the nineties. I mean, I don't want to say hot. I am from Arizona, so nineties is not really that hot. Uh, Humid last week, this week less humid, so it's actually felt okay outside. But I think the heat index is supposed to be like 105 tomorrow here. So, But then next week it'll be in the 80s. So (laughs) that's how Kansas works, Uh, 105 and then down to the 80s. So uh, excited for that. Another thing, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before, uh, but you're about
1: to become a dad. I am. Uh, My wife, Julia, we're getting my wife, Julia is pregnant. Uh, we're getting really close to the due date. Uh, the due date is mid August. Um, so that is coming up. So basically at this point, I mean, uh, baby girl, we, we are having a girl, baby girl could be here any day. Um, every once in a while, um, uh, if I ever get a text from, uh, Julia, I still have like a small heart skipping a beat of like, Oh, she's saying it's time. Like, yeah. so we're kind of in that stage. Um, it's exciting. It, it's scary. Uh, it's really been a beautiful time of, recognizing that this is an area of my life that I still struggle to actually hand over to Christ and that I still have a lot of selfishness and a lot of anxiety at, which really just translates to me basically saying, yeah, I know God is God, but he can't possibly be enough to deal with whatever situation comes at me when I have my baby girl. Uh, so really seeing God breaking me of that has been huge. Uh, And it's been a great journey along with my wife uh, to kind of both kind of confess those anxieties to one another and then be able to just, you know, worship through that and recognize that even if our heart doesn't sometimes feel that God is enough, we know he is enough and that he will correct our heart in that. So it's, it's been quite a journey and now I'm just excited to uh, just excited to meet her.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember um, Kelsey, my wife, uh, having Conrad and, and just kind of being in the hospital, being like, I am in control of nothing right now. (laughs) Um, this is just, it's going to happen and I'm just going to have to be along for the ride. You know, uh, you don't really know what to expect the first time people tell you stuff, but it all becomes your own experience and, uh, every, everyone's unique. And, um, and yeah, seeing a, a child born into this world and, uh, is, is an amazing thing. It's exciting. Uh, but now I have a, a 17 month old who likes to jump off of things uh with uh, no regard to injury or pain just jumps and so now it's like the it's it's like it do you have this little tiny baby and now you have this guy who's thinks he's older than he is and just does whatever he wants and you're like no don't you can't jump off that stuff. <laughs> uh so yeah you go one extreme to the other pretty fast but it's a it's a fun ride and uh and you're you're going to have a lot of fun i'm excited for uh, you guys
1: oh thanks man
0: All right, so we have been studying the book of Mark. Uh, What we do is we have a one to one Bible reading style. Uh, The purpose of this podcast is to really teach you, as the listener, to uh, disciple people one on one, going through scripture, having conversation. So if you've been listening with us through the book of Mark, you have been kind of going side by side with us, and hopefully you're guiding somebody also through the book of Mark, or at least being equipped so you can do that uh, as you disciple others, hopefully within your church or within your community. And uh, we encourage everyone here at Ottawa Bible Church uh, really to make their calendars um, or give their calendars to God. Do their calendar show discipleship? Does your calendar show that you're sharing the gospel? Is it a priority in your life? And so hopefully you're learning, you're growing, you're using our conversations to learn something and then equipping you to go out uh, and do the same thing we're doing and just having conversation about scripture. Um, so we're going to dive in. We've been in Mark chapter eight, and we we just got done with Jesus healing uh, somebody who was blind. And it was really kind of a foreshadowing of some of the things, uh, or kind of a, not really foreshadowing, I guess, kind of after the fact, kind of foreshadowing this in-between story that Mark puts in here about healing a blind man when really the story is about those who are blind spiritually, um, as, we, as, as we've been in chapter 8. We've also seen a couple instances of really the, the disciples just not getting it, uh, not getting who Jesus truly is, uh, that he is God at times, kind of questioning him. We see two examples recently of uh, feeding Uh, the masses, and one after another, their responses are... The first time, they're like, how are we going to do this? And then the second time, they kind of have a similar response, like, how are we going to feel these people? You're like, what do you mean? You already did it before. Like, Jesus has already fed people. Why are you questioning his power and his ability to do so? And so we've kind of seen this blindness in the uh, disciples' lives Uh, at times. They're working hard, they're listening to Jesus, but they're still learning, they're still growing. Uh, We have to remember these guys were not... These guys are fishermen um you know not all of them were educated uh, or or had a, or were very they were also they were very young uh they didn't have much life experience and so they're following Jesus he's going around teaching um and and he continues to run into these situations with Pharisees and challenging him which that just occurred in chapter 8 and now we're going to get to a really important piece of of chapter 8 uh we've kind of talked about this heading into this week is that we're going to be talking about Peter's confession uh, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. And so this is a really important part of the Gospel of Mark uh, as it, things kind of shift and, and the disciples start to mature and grow, and uh, it, it's really it's really cool to, to see. So I'm going to read now Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 30, uh, and that's where we'll start. So it says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. So we have this quick conversation as they're walking down the road from one town to the next. And Jesus asks a pretty important question <laughs> that all of us have to answer. Every single human being has to answer this question: Who do people say that I am? Who am I? Uh, Jesus asks, uh, and we have the the disciples saying, "Well, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of different you know things that people are saying about you. They're saying that you're John the Baptist, or like him. You're like Elijah. You're like the prophets." Um, There's all kinds of just different thoughts and ideas of who they think uh, Jesus is. So what do you think, Caleb?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the same question that in the West specifically, uh, we see being asked all the time. I mean, it's definitely global, but I, I tend to study Western culture more than anything, mostly because that's the culture we live in. And obviously, this is the ultimate question that you said perfectly of asking who Jesus is, and your response to that is the most important question you will ever answer. And one of the main things is even historically, there's not a lot of questioning that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, lived. there's not really any legitimate intellectualism that questions the life of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, It seems pretty well-documented. It's not something that's really up for debate, even in other religions such as uh, Islam, it's understood that this Jesus guy lived. So there's not much debate about that. So hence the question of importance is, all right, who was he? And the vast majority of the world Answers that as one, he was just some guy. Two, he was a teacher, he had some stuff maybe we should listen to, or maybe he was a prophet, or whatever answer you can give that isn't the right answer of he is the son of the living God dying for our sins so that we may be reconciled with God the Father. Any other answer than that is one that rejects the gospel. And that is uh, the most heartbreaking thought uh, in that it, it, to know that very few, relatively few people in the world have not known who Jesus is. Uh, and I say relatively, I'm sure that there are still billions, but compared to uh, the rest of the world, it's not a massive number. And yet so many just answer that question wrong of who they say he actually is. I'll never forget one of the most uh, Heartbreaking things I've seen, and, and it's even more heartbreaking when you recognize that you can multiply it across you know millions and billions of people. Is um, I, I sometimes listen to the uh, political commentator uh, Ben Shapiro. I think Ben Shapiro is a really wise gentleman. Um, I, I don't agree with every word the man has ever said, but I think when it comes to American politics, he's got a lot of really cool insights, and he's a pretty educated person and pretty level-headed. And Ben Shapiro had a conversation with Dr. John MacArthur. And they were having this conversation about politics, about biblical manhood and all of these things. And Dr. MacArthur turns to Ben Shapiro and says to him, you know, I really have enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to every future conversation you and I have. But every conversation you and I are ever going to have is going to end right here with Ben, what do you do with Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? And in the interview, it cuts and then just kind of goes to the next segment. So you don't really see that part of the conversation. Whereas then you see, I've seen Ben Shapiro do other interviews where he just then says, Oh, who do I think Jesus was? Oh, I just think he was, uh, you know, a guy who tried to lead a rebellion and was killed for it. Like, and I, I look at the, the, in many ways, earthly wisdom of a gentleman like, like Mr. Shapiro. And the intelligent people that he's talked to and people have tried to point him in the right direction. And, All of his earthly wisdom and political know-how, all of that just falls flat when he answers that question, who is Jesus? Oh, he was just some guy who tried to lead a political revolution in the first century and was killed for it. Like That just undermines everything in my mind and really breaks my heart. Yeah, which
0: is exactly within the historical context of this question that Jesus is asking and how they're responding to Jesus here. The two people that they point out are, one, John the Baptist, um, who was a disruptor (laughs) of corrupt rulers, right, who challenged rulers, and then Elijah, who did the same thing. These were national reformers who stood up to, to the corrupt rulers of their day. So, I mean, that's exactly what these two men, who people are calling Jesus, did. And so they're comparing them to, uh, to Jesus. There's this comparison of, Jesus, you're doing the same thing. Um, you're you're going to kind of come in as the Messiah that we think you should be, uh, which is kind of this political Superman uh, that's going to come in and take over and make Israel great again and uh, push Rome out, and you're going you're gonna to do this great work. For the people of Israel, um, and the interesting part here is, we've been reading through the Book of Mark, and I haven't seen that one single bit. <laughs> um, all the accounts here um, in in the Gospels does not ever point to a political revolution that Jesus is starting. All the documentation, Jesus is not talking about any of that. And that's the interesting part. They think because he's speaking something so different, this uh, message of repentance, um, forgiveness of sins. I mean, I haven't heard those things in a political revolution before. So uh, it is a heart revolution. (laughs) This is something that has nothing to do uh, necessarily with a country, but has to do with humanity itself. Um, and, and that's what Jesus is asking this question, not because he doesn't already know the hearts of his disciples, not because he doesn't already know the minds and the thought, the thoughts, uh, that they're having about him. Uh, but he, I think he wants to get it out on the table. Who do people say that I am? And then he asks the most impo- another important question to them. Who do you say that I am? Um, and of course the first one to respond <laughs> As as the majority of the time in the Gospels is Peter, uh, he's he's always quick to answer. Sometimes saying foolish things, uh, but in this time he says the right thing. Uh, and 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 when we look at the surface level of this passage, we think, "Oh wow, Peter, you said the right thing. You are the Christ." Uh, and the reality is, I don't think Peter a hundred percent knew what that meant in that moment. Uh, just because of the context of what we've read up to this point. Um, he has an idea, but I don't think there's this full understanding of what the Christ means or the Messiah and what the Messiah is actually going to do. I think there's still this little bit of a connection where the disciples believe that Jesus is going to overthrow Rome in some capacity and take Israel back. Uh, when he's going to continue to talk about a heart issue, he's not going to talk about something that's happening in that day, but something that's going to happen for eternity, uh, and something that he's going to do to redeem all people from sin and that's really where this is headed and it's going to head in this direction the rest of the chapter um so what do you what do you think caleb about peter's answer here you are the christ and then jesus says he charges him not to tell anyone about him don't 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 tell anybody
1: (laughs) yeah it's a really interesting theme you see that throughout a lot of uh a lot of Jesus's ministry is he'll heal somebody and say, "I no, don't tell anybody who's healed you." Um, and, and so I've heard some people try to explain it as you know, he's trying for crowd control. He doesn't want to get too much of a crowd around him. I mean, I think yeah, that's possible. That's the case. I don't know that it is. Um, but I think the most important part is the actual historical nature of the word Christ. And I don't mean like, let's really understand the uh, etymology. I think that's the right word of the word Christ, but I mean, understanding in Jewish uh history and all of the old testament that the entirety of the old testament points to the coming of the christ as the one who will save his people and that is that's what peter's confession is is it's not just oh yeah you're christ yeah because that's jesus's last name is christ no it's him saying that in this meta-narrative of all of history. History up until this point has been pointing to you and your arrival, and you are here. You are the Christ, the one who will save your people. Now, to your point, Kyle, I think you could still argue, like you did, that it, that Peter may not fully understand what the Christ means because he still maybe has this idea of a political revolution, and that's the kingdom he's looking to establish as political, or, or to get his people out of the bondage of Roman occupation. Uh, he do, he clearly doesn't fully understand yet that the removal of slavery for his people is a spiritual one that is emphatically more important than the physical one of just being occupied by rome to your point point, uh, yeah. and so yeah go ahead yeah
0: so let's let's continue uh chapter eight because we're going to get into jesus revealing his mission <laughs> uh the the purpose of why he is on earth and uh hopefully uh it'll help us understand more about who jesus is but also Um, Really, the the apostles learning even more, uh, inching closer to the realization of what Jesus is about to do um, and why we have the Gospels in the first place. So verse uh, 31, starting there, says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, "Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man." So let's stop there for a moment. This kind of brings a lot of the uh, accounts that Mark has given us prior to this moment of of Peter uh, rebuking Jesus uh, really being blind uh, to what God is doing <laughs> and uh, and all these other people being blind to the work that's being done right in front of them, uh, the Son of God being there. So Jesus here says that he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer. who's the Son of Man? Jesus, that he must suffer things and be rejected by all the religious leaders, all of those who are leading the people spiritually, I'll put air quotes around that, spiritually, right? Really, they're leading them into, uh, to me, spiritual abuse. That's what I see them leading them into, or a corrupt way of living, or a way of living that um, the best term would be legalistic. You have to do things to to obtain salvation. It's not just by God alone salvation, but it's God alone plus the way that I live my life uh, gets me saved. And so Um, he's like, I'm going to do things and be rejected because of the message that I bring. And these things are going to get me killed and I will rise three days later. So he is prophesying or foretelling, I'm going to be killed for the things that I'm teaching, but I will rise again. I will come back from the dead. And he was, and it says that he said it plainly. Like it wasn't, he wasn't saying it in a a parable (laughs) like he has shared parables in the past. He's not trying to kind of have a Mr. Miyagi moment of, you know, wax on, wax off and teaching them something by saying something else. He's being straightforward. This is going to happen to me. I'm going to die for what I'm teaching, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to be risen from the dead. Um, What are your first thoughts? (laughs) Just that, just straightforward. Oh man, he just told me he's going to die and be risen. What does that mean? I have no idea.
1: Yeah. And I love how uh, the author Mark puts it in the beginning of verse 32. And he said this plainly. Right. Uh, Like you said, like, no, it wasn't a parable. Like he just blatantly said it. He didn't like previously where he says, you know, that this temple will be burnt down and rebuilt in three days. And like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You can't build a building in three days. Uh, he, He says it plainly. Uh, and it, it, to me, it really just reminds me of your your beautiful point that maybe Peter still do, still doesn't fully understand what it means that he's the Christ because he then pulls him aside to rebuke him. Uh, and it's like, OK, well, you've clearly misunderstood this whole Christ thing if uh, you think you need to correct him. I don't know about you. But uh, my Bible seems to say that God is not able to be counseled by anyone. No one can stay his hand. No one can say to him, what have you done? Uh, so Peter clearly lacks a little understanding of who the Christ is. Not that you or I would have done any better in that scenario, but, but I just think that's worth pointing out. I mean, when when you hear that, you've just had this confession of Who do you say I am? I say you are the Christ. You are the one that fractures the timeline of history. You're the one that we've been waiting for for thousands of years. And then he turns around and says, by the way, everyone's going to hate me. I'm going to suffer a lot. And I'm going to be killed by the supposedly righteous people. Mm -hmm. But And I'll be back in three days. You know, me being the wicked sinner that I am, I kind of understand Peter saying, what, what are you talking about? No, you can't do that. You can't leave us. You haven't even done this stuff. No one's going to hate you. You have power over them. Like, we've seen your miracles. You shouldn't be worried about these religious leaders. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Mm-hmm. And then naturally, the the really rightfully so, but harsh rebuke of not just, hey, Peter, you're, you're wrong here. Here, let me explain it to you again. No, he says, get behind me satan that you do not know who i am uh and i just i i'm just so uh the first thing that hits me honestly is a little bit of conviction because i don't look at that and go dang peter that guy's an idiot i look at that going like man i would have so been peter even if i had the fortitude to say it to jesus i would have at least thought it like that no, that's where no. my mind goes
0: no yeah i i think if if i was in their shoes uh knowing what they've been that what they've gone through being called by the Christ uh, to follow him, to be his uh, closest uh, disciples, to learn from them from him every single day.'ve um, you've, you've been charged with this ministry. Um, that become that is the most important uh, thing that anybody can do in life, which is to spread the gospel, plant churches, do all these things. Like that's going to be their ministry after Jesus dies and is resurrected and ascends into heaven. They are going to take on the biggest task in history, the most important task in history outside of Jesus' death and and cause blood covering our sins. And so they're they're like on this mission, they're super pumped, they're super excited. Uh, Even though they get tired, you know they're all in. They've seen what Jesus has done, and then Jesus says, I'm going to (laughs) die. And they're like, no, you're not. (laughs) I mean, you could just see Peter like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. Like, that's (laughs) not going to be about that. We're going to make sure that doesn't happen. And so you do. You see him rebuke Jesus, which I know another thing. We could think, wow, I can't believe Peter rebuked Jesus. How often do we rebuke Jesus? How often do we go, no, I don't need that? Or, oh, I can do that myself. Or you know, or not even pray for something because you don't even think it's that big a deal. And then a few days later, you're like, man, I probably should have prayed about that. And I probably should have brought that to the Lord, uh, totally rebuked Jesus there (laughs) in the sense of, I didn't even care that he existed in that
1: moment. I chose to do it myself. Yeah. Um, Or, or, or worse. I I don't trust you. So I'm anxious about this. I'm really concerned about this. And it's because I don't trust you talk about a rebuke of Christ. How powerful is your God? He can't take this little weight off your mind about the small thing you're stressed about.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so we see this rebuke. um, We see strong words uh, from Jesus, uh, but appropriate because anybody that gets in Jesus's way, right? Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) You're not getting in my way, Peter. Uh, And neither did Satan. He tempted me in the wilderness and he did not, he did not prevail. I will be victorious. Get behind me. Um, So it's just this really powerful moment uh, but also a humbling moment for all of us because we're all we've all been Peter, <laughs> we've all yeah. been quick to speak, um, and and it's got us in trouble. Uh, but I, again, uh, another learning learning experience for Peter and the apostles here, um, really learning who Jesus is and how important it is that they listen to him. Um, and so, Jesus knew that uh, the way Peter was acting was discouraging uh, to everybody else. Uh, because he wasn't listening, uh, he did pull Jesus aside, which I thought at least Mark put that here instead of doing it in front of everybody. But I can still see Peter being pretty animated um, and upset about what Jesus is saying. So this is a a very uh, I don't know interesting moment that I think we can all relate to because we've all been in a in a place as Christians where we've we've kind of rebuked Jesus ourselves and kind of pushed him aside and said no, I don't I don't need that. And maybe it wasn't a a conscious thought i don't need that but our, our actions showed it uh and then we kind of paid the price uh for for not
1: listening to jesus yeah and the reason we do it is the same reason at the end of verse 33 this says, for you're not setting your mind on the things of god but on the things of man and that's you know to everything you've just said that's our rebuke of christ it is us setting our mind on on the things of man instead of the things of god and and then, what what really gets me next is the rebuke continues with the, this understanding of who Jesus is. He's the Christ, and then explaining here is the work I must do the salvific worth, uh, salvific work rather, of saving us by atoning for our sins on the cross leads to this rebuke, and then to transition to that next section, Jesus looks at his disciples. And then begins to tell them, hey, this is what it's going to be like to follow me. Uh, and, and feel, feel free, if you, if you want to go ahead and read that, please do. But I just think that's the perfect you know, transition of this is what is going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. And then tries to, Peter tries to rebuke him. He rebukes Peter and says, not only that, but this is what it's going to look like to follow me.
0: Yeah, so starting in verse 34, it says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples. So now it's not just the disciples. It's like, hey, all of you, get over here. I need to tell you something. I need to tell all of you this. This isn't just for the disciples. This is for everybody. Get over here. And then he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cr- his cross. Interesting, the cross hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and he's saying this. Well, take up his cross and follow me. What a powerful message of Jesus and what it means to surrender uh we I was had small group last night uh at my house, and uh you know we were talking about sharing the gospel um, and sharing the gospel means that we have to share with people that we're broken, that we have to share with people that we have to we had to deny ourselves we had to give up ourselves for Christ uh, and how personal that is and how intimate that is um, we're, we're so afraid at times to share the gospel uh, but the reality is when we share that with people when we share our brokenness with people when we get down to that real level and say this was who I was and this is what Jesus has made me nobody can deny that they can they can maybe not listen in the moment they can maybe shrug it off, but there's, there's power in those words. There's power in the, that testimony to say, I follow Jesus, and this is why. And Jesus is saying, look, following me is not going to be easy. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to deny everything and follow me. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to sacrifice daily for me and for the gospel. We can't forget that. For Jesus and to share the gospel and to go out, to live sent, uh, to to." do the great commission. You're going to have to do this. We see this in Paul. Paul is the great imitator of this uh, that 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 we have in the New Testament, as he writes uh, the majority of it, to say, look at me. I have sacrificed my entire life to make sure the gospel reaches the ends of the earth. Imitate me. Live the way that I lived, because I live for the gospel, and I don't care if death uh, is is what ends it, because it's not the end of my life, because I'm going to be with Jesus. So it's that uh, passion that we see in Paul and in, in the apostles as they uh, live their life, as they continue to establish the church and uh, and see how they thrive and also really end up dying uh, for Christ. Uh, they do take up their cross daily and they do end up um, living a life
1: and running the race to the end. And I think it it comes full circle to the question posed in verse 29. Because when Jesus asks, who do you say I am, Uh, asking that of us, the verses 34 through the end of the chapter then describe, here's an outline of your life. Here's what this will look like. This is what it means to follow me. If you know who I am and you rightfully say who I am as the Christ, this is what your life will look like. You will not regard your life as anything of the utmost importance but rather you will have the gospel at the center of your life and therefore the gospels of the utmost importance that you don't care to keep your own life you're willing to lose it for the sake of Christ's gospel and recognizing that it doesn't matter what you can gain in this world for what does it profit a man to gain the entirety of the world but lose his soul because whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the son of man also be ashamed. Uh, so I just think that this is the actual outworking of the confession of Jesus as the Christ, as the one Savior who is able to save his people, that therefore, therefore, we live sent and we live a life that demonstrates He is of the utmost worth, and not anything else in the world compares to the worth of knowing Christ. Amen. And
0: those listening to this podcast, um, I just want to encourage you. Um, I know that, uh, for one, living for Christ isn't easy. I think Jesus makes that clear, Um, that this this isn't going to be easy. Um, your life's not going to be perfect. It's going to be really hard, uh, because I'm going to suffer and that means you're going to suffer too. Uh, but this suffering has a purpose and it's to save lives. I'm going to save all lives. Jesus is right. Jesus is going to save all lives by taking the cross. And then you're going to take that mission and you're going to sacrifice your life to go tell people about Jesus, about the blood that is spilled, that covers our sin, that covers our brokenness, and makes us whole so that we can be in relationship with Jesus. Uh, And how powerful that message is. How much better is that than saving one country, but saving all of humanity, establishing a kingdom much bigger than the kingdom they thought he was establishing. He came not just for the Jews, but for the world. And he's making that clear here. Anybody can follow me. Not just Jews, but anybody. My kingdom is bigger than you think. Now go tell people about it, because what I'm about to do is going to be the most important thing in history, and people need to know about it. And we're here today, right? We're in the year 2021, and we're talking about Jesus. Uh, it's been many years since Jesus has been alive, and so that's uh, still going strong. I, you know, I know in uh, the church it's not getting easier. Uh, churches around the world aren't necessarily teaching the true word of God. They're not going through scripture like we are uh, and and kind of breaking down these moments uh, that Jesus is teaching. Uh, And it's getting more, it's getting more difficult, but we need to keep running the race. Uh, It's going to get harder. uh, And we need to just keep pushing because Jesus called us to right here. He said, you need to continue to share the gospel uh, because it saves. And it's the only thing that saves. Amen. So, uh, thanks Caleb for, for coming on the podcast and, uh, spending your time and, and going through, um, chapter eight and, uh, guess what next week you're going to be on the podcast again, uh, which is going to be exciting. So two weeks in a row of, uh, Caleb and myself. So thank you all for listening to the Be Disciples podcast. The best way that you can support us is really just share the podcast with people. Um, you can do that, uh, really by just telling your friends about it. Uh, In any way possible, you can use social media, uh, you know, write them a snail mail letter, uh, whatever, however you communicate. Uh, I'm guessing if they still use uh, mail to communicate, they don't listen to podcasts, but uh, you should tell them about we're on all major platforms. So whatever you prefer, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Pandora whatever. We're on there. Uh, Check us out. Uh, Make sure you rate us on those podcast platforms. Uh, That allows people to be exposed to our podcast even more. The higher rating we have, the more people can hear the scripture, because it'll be there at the top of the list for people to listen to uh, when they're looking for podcasts to learn about the Bible, to learn about Jesus. And so thank you all. Uh, I'm going to pray as we end, and uh, then we'll see you all next week. Thank you, Lord, for uh, everybody. Uh, That listens to this podcast Uh, Thank you for Ottawa Bible Church Thank you for Caleb Uh, Thank you for his church that he serves in uh, And the people that he invests in as well Um, I just pray that uh, these ministries Continue to be blessed As we stay in the word of God We stay uh, with the truth Of who Jesus is Uh, We don't go away from it Uh, We don't subtract from it We don't add to it But we continue to study scripture Because it's the word of God is given to us by God. And so uh, just, uh, Lord, keep us strong, uh, keep us uh, encouraged uh, to move forward and to run the race, uh, and keep uh, uh, just blessing our lives as we go out and share the gospel with others. In Jesus' name, amen.